let's jump into what we came here for, and that's to get into God's word. We're going to be in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out, to the, out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he, he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed some seed along the path, the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell along the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold. Some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Jesus, I am very aware of the desperate need that I have as a preacher to hear from you, to follow your lead, and to deliver exactly what you intended through the scriptures. I'm also very aware that we need your presence here right now, Holy Spirit, to soften our hearts to receive as a church to grow us in a heart for God as a church and that you would move us forward into exactly what you desire for this church to to end up fulfilling the potential that you see for this church as an amazing movement of God continuing to make more disciples, continuing to pour love into the hearts of the believers and to continue to lead the lost to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A few months ago, um, we were planning out what should we preach as a pastoral staff after the book of Ephesians, which two weeks ago we ended up concluding. And so we ended up dreaming. We were like, we want our church to take ownership. That sounds amazing. Let's be like the book of Acts. We'll take ownership. We want people being more hospitable. We want more people serving. We want more people telling others about Jesus. And so we ended up coming up with a plan. You see, we were supposed to go through a series that we had planned called Gifted to Serve, and we were going to know our spiritual gifts, and we were going to examine them, and we'd be motivated because of what Christ done for us to then use them to serve one another. And then this week, the Holy Spirit was like, "Mm mm-mm, different direction. So pastoral pastoral staff-wise, we have three pastors on staff, and we were starting to feel something and hear something throughout the week. And it came to our thought life like this, in a paraphrased way. The Holy Spirit was saying to each one of us in different ways, does CLB have my heart? Do they care for what I care for? Do they know what I care for? Has CLB lost a zeal or a passion for the things of God? All questions which we did not know at the time and answer for. And by God's grace, we're just moving by faith, saying that we needed to change the direction of a gifted discernment series into a series that talks about a church after God's own heart. A church after God's own heart. The biblical writers use the word heart to refer or allude to the source of where we have our thoughts, where we have our emotions, how we interpret the world. And how we make choices. In other words, the heart, the biblical writers would say, is the essence of a person. And God has a heart. He has an essence. He has a way that he thinks, the way that he feels about certain things. He makes choices and his, he has his own will. And we want to know that will as a church. We want to get the heart of God. 
and reflect it in our own hearts. And it's revealed in God's word. If if we're all wondering, hey, where is the heart of God at? It's revealed in his word. It's what we've been doing for the last two years as a church plant. And as we go into year three, we're going to continue teaching expository teachings. And then we'll have random themes where we hear prophetically, this is what the church needs to hear for right now. And in God's word, we see that he has a heart for commitment. We see it through the covenant marriage that he's given us in the scriptures. We see that God has a heart for those who are lowly. We see that through the love and ministry of Jesus. We see that he cares for the widows. We see that he cares for all of humanity by him coming on a rescue mission, Jesus himself, to sacrifice and raise his own life so that we would be in right relationship with him. We see the heart of God all throughout scripture. And in this series, we're going to be picking passages to learn from. A lot of them may be familiar to us, but we want to pick passages that focus on the heart, the character of who God is. And our hope in all these Sundays, stacking them one after another, is that we would go into year three. Y'all, can you believe it? We're going into year three. (laughs) Praise God. We're going into year three. Yeah, we can give God glory. We can give God glory for that. Praise God, he's the one who's sustaining and growing this church. But we want to go into year three, caring for what God cares for. On an individual level and for your families, but I would say even more so as a corporate church. To dream big dreams that we once had, but do it from a heart of conviction that's shared amongst the saints because of God's word. To get God's word in our bones. That we would honestly do what the Bible says, not just because the word says so, but because we know the heart of God. We love the heart of God because of his care and his thoughts towards us. Amen, church? So this is just a quick warning. We could have went the method of going the gifted to serve thing and tell everyone what the biblical writers tells us to do as a local church. We could have said, go share the gospel with, the, with your neighbors. Go and serve one another, build one another up. But we thought that God, as the word says, does not look at appearance, but looks at the heart. And at the heart of each one of us and the heart of this church. And it's going to come first. This sermon is about examining our hearts. Before we're going to go into growing and consecration unto the Lord and growing in our intimacy with the Father and inheriting more of what he cares about, what he cares about, we need to take self-examination of our own heart. It's going to come through that first. You see, there are plenty of things that keep us from Sunday to Sunday away from feeling the presence of God. And we must address those by focusing on the word of God and examining our hearts first. Proverbs 4.23 reads this way. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, the essence of your being, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, would you guard as a church and as an individual the way we think, the way we make sense of the world, the emotions we feel, and the choices that we make? If we guard those, it will determine the life of this local church. It will determine and direct you and your story and legacy you leave as an individual. And it will affect your family now and for, and for ongoing generations. You see, today we're going to kick this series off, a church after God's own heart, by looking at the heart of Jesus. Jesus taught in parables. And we're going to examine, which we just ended up reading through, 
the parable of the farmer scattering the seed, also known for, to many of us as the parable of the soils. You see, parables were everyday stories that Jesus would use to teach a deeper truth, a deeper spiritual truth. What's unique about this parable, before we actually get into it, is that each parable you would read of Jesus has one main point. One main point. It's not taught as allegory. You would be taught this um, parable from Jesus, and he was meaning for you to extrapolate one thing. Unique to this parable is that Jesus actually teaches allegorically here. So throughout church history, people have ran to the text, and because he's, they've been justified in doing this, because he has taught allegorically, he's brought up, and you've probably heard different sermons that have angled from different places on what Jesus is trying to teach us. But unique to this morning, you'll find out the angle that we're going to take and focus on the condition of everyone's heart and the soils representing that. So in this parable, Jesus is going to describe four different types of soil. Church, let me know your awake. Say four with me. Are we? Okay, let's do it. We got a baby crying that's louder than you back there. Say four with me. All right. The four represent four different conditions of the heart. In other words, it's how we are currently receiving the God, receiving God's word. How we currently care or lack care for God and his kingdom. You see, the first three soils, they're going to be a heart that represents those who reject Jesus. If you have not yet trusted your life and been forgiven of your sins, if you have not let Jesus run your life, these soils will represent reasons as to why you're not allowing your creator to take control of your life. Why you're not surrendering your life to God. But for the born again church, for those who have surrendered your life to Jesus, the application is going to hit a little bit differently. You see, these soils are going to be reminders of how old soil can make its way back and contaminate our relationship with God. That can cause the distance that we feel and may be the reason why we feel or don't feel a care for God, his word, his people, the mission of God, our family, the designations and commands of God that we have inherited, the blessings of God that we have, our care for the unseen world, our care to heal others because God's put it on our mind, our care to actually pray for others. Born again church, the application is pure and simple for this. We're going to walk through and we're going to ask. I am asking you, church. That you would examine your heart through each one and ask the Holy Spirit if this is an obstacle between you and him. Between you caring for God and you not caring for God and the different intimacy levels that are in between. So let's get into the text. We good to go? Three soils. Matthew verse 3, 13 verse 3. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Now here's the interpretation. Again, a unique thing about this parable. Jesus says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God, but they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed is the word of God. The farmer or the sower is anyone who carries the word of God to others. And then the birds represent the enemy, the Satan, our adversary, the one who accuses us, the one who accuses God, 
in the garden, the one who argued with us, the one who points us away from God. He's the one who comes and snatches away the word so that it does not produce fruit. So that those who have not yet trusted Jesus for their salvation, it's the cause of him in his hand, snatching away the word of God. An example I have is of a friend of mine. I'll use an alias, Tristan. Tristan is a friend of mine. We hang out together pretty often. This is a real story with an alias name. And I talked to him probably for the past five years about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, about how we were created and we were connected with God, but we were born with this sin condition that causes us to sin, and sin meaning that we're missing the mark morally, and we're lying, and we're stealing, and that caused an issue between us and God, and God ended up coming and resolving the issue by dying for us, living the perfect life necessary for our forgiveness, and that anyone who would trust in him would experience the forgiveness of sin, they would actually then be inhabited by faith by the God of the universe himself, and that he would produce Amazing things that we never experienced before. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All it would take is that you, Tristan, would repent. That you would have a godly sorrow of sinning against your creator. Not just other people, but the creator himself. And that you would believe in God and he would forgive you and you become a son of God. And do you know what happened to Tristan in those moments, which we've had multiple times throughout the year? Right over the head. There are many Tristans in our area. There are many people we know in our life. And there may be some in the congregation who have not yet trusted in Jesus for their salvation. And it's primarily because they don't understand, don't care for the word. And the enemy just snatches the word before it's actually received. That may end up being. But for the born again church, it's different. For the born-again church, we're in tune with the enemy's schemes. We're familiar for who we used to work for. We know that he lies, he discourages, that he ends up telling half-truths. And if your heart is currently lacking in a care for God or a care for his word and what it says about reality, could it be, and I wonder, is, if, is it because the enemy and us believing and giving to the enemy's voice consistently. Could that be the reason why we're not receiving God's word? Could that be the reason why there's an obstacle between us and God is because we've made friends with the enemy unconsciously. See, there's something unique that happens in everyone's heart over time. Is that when we continue to sin and harden our heart, and we, the, it gives a pathway for the enemy to come in and continue to manipulate. And sin means separate, separate us from the closeness that we can have with God. The enemy is all about having you come into this congregation born again saint. Believing lies about your spouse or of others. So much so that you're in this congregation right now and you don't, you're not receiving anything. Your heart is so hardened that you're not giving God, the Holy Spirit, a chance for the word of God to land so that something changes in your soil. That is the enemy. And unique to the enemy is that we give him as much permission in our life as he's willing to take. The good news is that, in other words, that we can actually go to the battlegrounds against the enemy and in our thought life. 
And we can battle against him in a simple way. Paul says it this way. It's all battles in our thought life. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought, thought captive to obey Christ. When the enemy's lies are coming, take captive of it. Say, not today, Satan, as Jesus did. That's not truth. Jesus, I identify truth, and I'm asking that you would rebuke it in your name. Jesus, would you please fill me with righteous and peace in my thought life? As simple as being proactive and being reactive and not being passive in our thought life is the beginning of something to soften our hearts against how we've hardened us because of, we're, of us giving in to the enemy. Rebuke the enemy and see how your heart softens towards God and his word. Again, for some of us, that's not the issue. If we're in a place as the church where we do feel distant from God, we lack a care for God and his word and his people and his mission, that may not be. We'll look into soil too. Check it out with me, verse 5. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Here's the interpretation. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. That's literally what we pray for as a church. But here's what happens. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. God's word is received and received quickly. That's amazing. And it's received with joy. But we end up seeing that the person falls away because problems of this world, which happened every single day, and it seems especially on the weekdays, they end up coming and squeezing out any receptivity of the word of God. And notice that the roots were shallow. This reminds me of another friend of mine. I'll call him another name so that I can um, keep his name private. We'll call him Kyle. I shared the gospel with Kyle back when I played in the NFL. He called me in a place where he just genuinely wanted to hear the gospel. I went to Kyle's house and I ended up walking through exactly what I walked through before. And I said, Kyle, would you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose on the third day and will forgive you of your sins, that he is the son of God? And Kyle said, yes, we prayed the sinner's prayer. And then I looked up at Kyle and nothing changed. Like, you know how <laughs> ever since then, by God's grace, I've been around people who have got saved and there's just some, there's just discernment. I mean, physically you see an expression that's a little bit different, but when I panned up, it was the same Kyle. So I thought, okay, I guess that was awkward and it was my first time leading someone to Jesus, I thought. So then months later, I see that he's living a life that's more defiant and more rebellious towards God. So I genuinely asked Kyle, my Kyle, dude, what happened between you and Jesus? Remember that night we prayed together and Kyle said to me, yeah, I remember that night. But when I when I gave my life to Jesus, I thought that I would never experience the same problems again. And it's because of those problems that I'm not following them anymore. Every single day. Kyle is not the only person. There may be people in this room or for the born again saint people, this may have been your story in the past. Many people are looking to Jesus to fix their lives, not realizing 
that he's not just going to do that on a deeper level, but that we get God to walk through all the persecution and problems with. And it causes many of our friends who we are witnessing to, to stumble and fall and never truly receive the word of God. Problems and persecution every day snuff out the word before people actually get saved. It's just the reality of things. But for the born again church, for the people of God here who have surrendered your life to Jesus, your eternal destination is secure. If you've truly repented and believed, you are secure, secure in Christ. The application for us is a little bit different. If your heart currently, again, lacks a care for God and his word that you once had, could it be because we've given in to the problems of this life? The persecutions we may have because we, dis- we believe in things that are disagreeable with the culture. When we go through all these problems, it actually reminds me of like bugs hitting a windshield. The bugs obstruct the view of a windshield like problems obstruct our view of God. And the more we allow bugs to accumulate without using the windshield wipers, the more our view will be obstructed. And the same can be said when we don't take our problems to God to address it himself. When we genuinely foster all of these problems, you go through life, you end up having a trauma, the next trauma, the next trauma. You justify that the next trauma is not a big deal. But then the next trauma comes up and God's saying, yo, I'm your heavenly father. Bring those to me. Our God's a loving father. He's not going to force his will upon us. But we have access to him where he's saying, bring those traumas to me. Bring those problems to me. And we have a heavenly father who will heal. That is the difference between who we were before Christ and who we are now in Christ. The psalmist writes it this way. Verse 14, 91, Psalm 91. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If problems and persecution are hardening your heart, go to the Father. A simple application. The Father wants to hear from you. And you'll see, we will see by faith that God will soften our hearts towards his word and towards him once again to actually care. To not just fill a seat on a Sunday and be okay with just struggle bus, but genuinely caring for the heart of God. And for some of us, problems and persecution ain't the thing. As, as this is being preached, the Holy Spirit's not landing it on your heart. And so maybe it's this. This would be the last hard soil to receiving God's heart. Let's look at it. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries, constant worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no, not a little bit, no fruit is produced. This specifically in the text is a heart that is hardened and has never come to know Jesus. 
It quickly, they're interested, but it quickly fades away because of the worries of life and because of the lures of wealth. This was me before I let Jesus run my life in 2007. Growing up in California, I started going to church in high school. And then I would hear sermon on Sunday. My heart would be stirred. I'd want him. And then come Monday, I promise you, it was like clockwork. The worries of girls and dating, of grades and of sports and what people thought of me and just academic accolades and sports accolades, all of those literally crowded out and boxed out the desire that I had to follow Jesus. The desire that people have to follow Jesus in all these three soils, praise God, it's there. You may not know Jesus right now as your Savior. Praise God that you have a desire. It's explained here in the text. This is describing that people are having an opportunity to follow Jesus. So as a church, we were once there. No one was born, born again. Am I right? So when we look out into the neighborhoods and workplaces that we live in, know that by faith, he's talking about three hardened soils, but all of them desire they're hearing the word of God. They're giving the word of God an opportunity. And we may run into people that genuinely get it choked out because of the worries of world, of the world and because of wealth. It happens every single day. Make that something we register in our mind as a church to pray against. But for the born-again church, we can be worried just as much as when we were when we once didn't believe. In our area, there are so many things to worry about. For parents, we're worrying about our kids all the time. Their salvation, their grades, where they're going to go to school. Will certain things be taught in public schools? Will they latch onto it? Am I doing a good job as a parent? Will I ruin my kids? For teens, you can worry about popularity, about grades, the school you're going to go to, the sports, dating. For grandparents, you can worry about the direction of this country, the leadership of this country, the godlessness of culture and future generations. For singles, we can worry about if we'll ever get married or if we'll ever get married again. And for everyone, we can always be busy in pursuing money because as one of my friends says, you can never have enough money. <laughs> Pursuit of money. And none of those are bad in and of themselves, church. None of those are, are sinful inherently in and of themselves but it can cause us to sin when it crowds out the care that we once had for Jesus and a desire to live out his word let Jesus's words here in Matthew 6 minister to you on the screen Jesus speaking here so don't worry about these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear these things dominate the thoughts of who unbelievers of whom all of us once were but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. Church, say everything. everything. Every need that you feel is satisfied in Christ. When? When we seek his kingdom first. What he wants done first in our life. And in our area, rather than what we want first in our kingdom, in our life, 
and in our area. It's a one-way conversation that God is giving and downloading to us through Matthew 6 to seek first his kingdom, to prioritize God and the presence of God. And church, let's just never be comfortable. Although we're going to go into the ditch of being complacent in our relationship with God, I had a friend, precious friend of mine, 91 years old. He died last year. His name was Richard. I asked Richard one thing. I said, give me one wisdom. You've walked with Jesus for decades. Give me one piece of wisdom that you would give me. And he was so simple but so sweet, and I return to it often. Do not neglect your relationship with Jesus. Do not neglect your relationship with Jesus. Church, we have amazing potential. Sometimes you have to look yourself in the mirror and affirm yourself, but this is one of those moments, but it's true. I look around here and I see the experience that people have walking the Christian life. I see the integrity in this room. I see the mixture of generations of saints and of young adults and of parents. And I see the humility of this church. And I see our area. And I'm just here to remind you, we have amazing potential for this church. Amazing potential for this church to advance the kingdom of God, not only in our area, in our household, and within ourselves to grow in Christ. The thing that is going to hinder us is if we harden our hearts towards God. And if we are willing to stay there too long. If we are willing to gather in here at a couple hundred people and then look the other way when our lost neighbor is sitting right next to us and not end up inviting them to Alpha, we are cutting God short. And I can preach my heart out. But guess what? You're going to have to go to God. We're going to have to buy in all together. We're going to have to see the scriptures and get God's own heart. It's not just sermons, but I'm here to just tell us, I see our potential. Let's not cut ourselves short. It's when we give in to the enemy, our problems, and the worries of this world that happen between Sundays that affect our holiness that we're okay with not coming here on a regular basis because we'd rather do other things. And I'm saying, guys, do we understand the beauty of this church and in a gathering, that there's true rest in the presence of God among his people, and that it's okay to be vulnerable and get into a city group so that we grow and people challenge us in how we think about God and how we apply God's thought to our work and our parenting and how we view everything. Church, this is a beautiful thing on Sundays, not to be neglected. And I'm saying, let's get our hearts right. Whatever they may be, you ask the Holy Spirit of God, who is your God. Examine, give him permission to examine your heart. And just watch, just watch, just watch the fruit that you end up experiencing in your personal life. And what's beautiful is when it happens... And corporately and more people end up consecrating themselves. We move away from the season of pruning which we've been in to grow. And then we grow. And then we actually have a greater view of holiness because of God. And a greater humility because of God's word. Because we're growing in what he cares for. And here's the good news. Out of everything we've said to finish this time. We have God and heaven's backing. Do you know that God wants us to succeed more than we do? That he wants us to experience 
his love more than we do? Look at it. Hebrews 12, verse 12, verse, uh, or chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, such an amazing crowd of witnesses of whom we just sung about, sung about, the God of David, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of Mary, is in a crowd of witnesses. He's saying, listen, you've got a crowd rooting you on, CLB, and the individuals of CLB. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us, giving in to the enemy and problems and the worries of this world and the lure of wealth. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We're in a race as a church towards the end times. And I'm not trying to freak people out, but it's more of an end times since I said that last word because we're getting closer towards Jesus' return. And we all have individual races that God has entrusted to us. And we're saying, don't pull away from one another, church. Bring us together. God, bring us together. Unify us in being a Jesus-centered and spirit-led church. That we would run the race together. If you feel like you're running the race alone, the enemy's involved. If you feel like you're running the race alone and not connected to the church, it could be the problems. If you feel like you are separated from God's church or have been this summer, could it be either because of personal persecution or because of the allures of wealth and the words of the world? But check it out. We, we throw off everything and we run the race with endurance that God has set for us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We have the backing of the saints of old. We have the backing of Jesus himself seated at the right hand of the Father. And he wants this church to fulfill its potential. He wants each and every one of us to fulfill our potential. And it's not going to become, it's not going to be by the way of doing and doing and doing and doing more. Because it's easy to buy into works relationship with God and earning favor. It's going to come genuinely by examining our hearts. Seeing where we're off with God and coming to him. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask uh, specifically for the person who hasn't yet surrendered their life to you, that you would soften their heart so that the word of God would be received in their life. God, there is so much joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore that they aren't experiencing until they come to know you and surrender to you. So I'm asking God that you would move them even forward soften their hearts even right now towards how they can trust you that you're trustworthy and that you have their best interest in mind as their creator God we're all humbly here alongside them saying it is the best decision that we've ever made in our lives so God would you move them towards that surrender God that changes the trajectory of their life here and into eternity and God grow your church do with us what you want in Jesus name amen